This is the Movie Hall of Fame Class of 1996 for Thursday, September 24th, 2020. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> what are we doing here? Look, it's Sling Blade. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Some people call it a kettle blade. I call it a Sling Blade. <laughs> that didn't last long at all. No. <laughs> Not even the most quotable movie on this list. Oh, it might be. No. If you do it in the Sling Blade voice, it might be. <laughs> Only if you do it in that voice. If you can nail the Billy Bob Thornton of it all. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's... Not- I'm not sure, dude. <laughs> I, th- I think it's another movie. <laughs> we'll get there. Man, a lot of funny voices on this podcast, huh? I'm looking at the list now. It's shite, babe. Scottish. <laughs> with the laws to the law. The scum of the fucking earth. <laughs> this is going to be an all-time Adam podcast. Nico. Nico. What? Want to know what I think about this podcast? What? It's money. Money, baby. It's money. It's hey, money, you're baby. Your money, you're money, baby. Your money, baby. Your money, baby. You're so fucking money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Holy shit! I love all of these movies. Yeah. Do you? Well, we'll see. Okay. I don't know. Interesting. I, I like most of them. All right, all right. I didn't realize though. Like, and I'm looking at the list now, and I'm thinking back on it. These are a lot of movies that are very near and dear to both of our hearts. We've talked about them at length. In the past, we quote them a lot. You do funny voices from them. <laughs> I feel like we have we have been through this list already, but we haven't. I feel the same way. You know, I mean, I was we were going over. I was like, we've done ninety six, right? And then you're like, no, and I'm like, what? Right. I could have sworn we had. Yeah, I, honestly, we've talked about the majority of these films time and time again. I mean, there is. I, I think there are two films on this list that we haven't discussed, but even Swingers has been brought up a oh, couple yeah. times before. So yeah, I mean, how can you go about life not mentioning Swingers True. from time to time? I mean, I hadn't seen it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, there's so many of these movies that have become just a part of the public consciousness since they came out. And you wouldn't think that. I'm looking at these six now. It, what's so funny is there's a lot of like debut movies here. There's a lot of like, whoa, who's this guy? And even movies if, here. Well, even if it's not just like the director specifically, it's also just uh, uh, showcases for actors too. Yeah. So it's a, so it's a debut or a a coming out, we could say, of directors and actors, which is very interesting. Yeah, you got Vince Vaughn. Basically, it's not his big screen debut, but it's his like first star-making role with mm-hmm. Swingers. Also, John Favreau wrote it. Doug Liman directed yep. it. All first-time uh, efforts. Uh, Scream, I guess there were, uh, you know, there were a number of Drew Barrymore performances before this. But <laughs> <laughs> Nev Campbell, okay. you know, Courtney Cox, I guess, was right at the beginning of Friends. Like, again, it was just like a very 90s movie. Uh, train spotting you and McGregor and Danny Boyle, Bottle Rocket. You got the whole Wes Anderson of it all, and, and the Wilson brothers, Sling Blades, Billy Bob Thornton, and Fargo's the only one where it's like all of these people were already movie stars, and the Coens had already established themselves. It's just sort of the best work that any of those people ever did. Sure, I'm not sure if Frances McDormand was as much of a movie star. Yeah, she was well known, but like, I mean, she had worked with the Coens. She was in Mississippi Burning already. Yeah. You know, she was around. I always felt like this was the one that made her known. Yeah. So that's cool. That's yeah. cool, at least. But I, you know what? I, I I think it's no coincidence. Four of these six movies are Miramax productions. 
Yeah. Four out of six of them, Harvey Weinstein had his gross little fingers all over. Yeah. And <laughs> it sucks, but like, say, yeah. it's like, say what you want about the man, but like, he had an eye for some quality stories. That's certainly true. This is the peak of Harvey Weinstein's powers right here. Like, he is just anointing future movie stars and future master filmmakers, <laughs> yeah. you know, at, while jerking off into plants and hotel rooms. I'm good for him. So thank you, Harvey Weinstein, at least for this podcast. Is he dead yet? Not yet. Not yet. Somehow he's not dead. I saw that clip of him walking into the courthouse with his walker or something. I don't know what the hell that was. Yeah. What was that? It was a publicity stunt. That's what it was? That's what I think I would call it. I think what I would call it is a lower load of horseshit. All right, good. I think that's the scientific term. Yeah. Then Bong came out of nowhere, cut open a fish in front of him, (laughs) and he just shriveled up (laughs) into a ball. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. You're back from vacation. I'm just fine. Back from, yeah, I guess I am back from, I've been back from vacation. We've done a podcast since I've been back from vacation. I know, but we took last week off. That's true. Um, I don't know if you've caught up on some movies since then, have you? I've I've watched movies. I haven't watched any recent films. I'm not terribly interested in the film scene of 2020. Mm. Can you blame me? Can't, because Exhibit A, I watched a movie on Netflix last week called The Devil All the Time. Oh God, how was that? Uh, it stars Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, and many other recognizable faces. I heard it was a whole heap of whatever. Um, yeah, that devil is around all the time, it turns out. Oh, wow. He's cool. everywhere. Cool. All the time. <laughs> a really stupid movie that thinks it's smart. Oh, okay. That's what it is. It's a stupid movie that thinks it's smart, and it has absolutely no point. And I've been searching <laughs> so hard for the point, I can't seem to find it other than... A devil. He's there all the time. Why do you watch these movies? Because Robert Pattinson and Tom Holland are in it, and it looked like a... You have very bad foresight for what's going to be good or bad. It's got a star-studded cast. I don't care. I looked at that thing by that trailer, and I was like, this looks dumb. Certainly. It was giving me, like, True Detective... I I said this on Letterboxd. It was giving me, like, True Detective Season 1 vibes. Mm -hmm. Like, just sort of deep south, hard-boiled crime story. And really, it ended up being True Detective Season 2. <laughs> okay, there, there, there's also something about putting this cast together, by the way. Like, yeah. I love I love these actors individually, but in a way, you need to pair them up properly. Because I don't see Tom Holland next to Robert Pattinson at all. Well... I just, I just don't. It, it is um, sort of a Place Beyond the Pines type movie, where it has like a side A, side B story. It's okay. a, a sprawling epic that takes place all the way from the 60s up into the mid-80s. And uh, it goes through each generation um, and shows how the devil is always with them, I guess, because they're doing bad things to each other. Okay. (laughs) So Robert Pattinson and Tom Holland are they don't share the screen for most of the movie. It's only one scene that they actually are in it together. Um, But there's just way too much going on. And it's not to say that any of these actors are bad. I think Tom Holland's actually pretty good in the movie. And Robert Pattinson has a funny voice. Oh, um, as he always does. But yeah, I'm just like not into these types of movies, I guess. Just not into it. I'm not into the like place beyond the pines, um, like sprawling epic. Like just give me more focus and tell me something. Mm. It's just too much here. I, I get it. Generations beget other generations. Okay, that's fine. I don't mind place beyond the pines. I don't care for it at 
at the same time, if yeah. that makes sense. I just, I was quite underwhelmed by that one for similar reasons because I thought it lacked focus and I could not sink myself into either story before it ended. And right. I was like, eh. I like the Gosling part a lot more. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's a lot more fulfilling. And then as soon as, yeah, I actually kind of agree with that entirely because yeah. as soon as Bradley Cooper shows up, I just don't care. He's just not good in that movie. I don't care about what Dane DeHaan's storyline is either, especially yeah. that ending where he goes on over. Like, what the hell was that? Yeah. I, Maybe I'm being unfair towards this movie. Maybe I should watch it again. I don't know, but... I don't think I want to. I like Ryan Gosling in that movie a lot. I like Derek C. in France. I don't know how you say his name, but his pri- previous film was quite good. Yeah. Which is Blue Valentine. Right. Um, this guy um, did the uh, Christine movie from a couple years ago about the the uh, the news reporter that shot herself on TV. What? You didn't, you didn't see that movie? Yeah. It's a true story, based on a true story, but uh, I forget what the... the real christine's name was it was it's uh, rebecca hall stars michael c hall's in it as well tracy letts antonio campos is the name of the director uh yeah i'm, I'm not really a fan of his work turns out have you seen other things that he no oh. I, I actually i have seen bits and pieces of christine because i was curious about it so i watched some clips on youtube Okay. And I saw Christine shoot herself, and I'm like, yeah, this movie, not for me. <laughs> is, it too, is it too much? Yeah, a little too much. Is it too much for you? This movie's also a little too much. Pattinson, know. you can just like attempt a regular Southern accent. It's okay. <laughs> you don't have to always be acting that hard. It, would it be different if you didn't know that he was English? No, definitely not. It's a really weird fucking accent. All right, that's fair. All right. Not a great year for our boy Pattinson. Well, yeah, well... I guess that's right, yeah, because Batman was supposed to come out too. So yeah, it's been pretty bad. It's the downfall of Pattinson. Yeah. That's what it is. Tenant was not good, nope. and he was underwhelming in that movie. Mm-hmm. He got COVID while shooting Batman. <laughs> He's guy. in this piece of shit. Is it really that bad? Is it a piece of shit, or is it just like, eh? It strikes me as the type of movie you would hate. And I'm not even sure it's that bad. <laughs> but it strikes <laughs> okay. me as the type of movie that you just would be like, fuck this movie. Because it really has no point. Other than these characters are going to kill each other. Are you sure it has no... I, I, it's got that, no point. Th- that's where I kind of back up. Like, I, I usually don't believe it when people say a movie has no hey, point. Hey, Adam, watch the movie. I don't know. Watch it. I've, I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie that didn't have any point. <laughs> no, the point is that the devil's always there. Okay. Evil is in the eyes of these, these people. Yeah. yeah I, all I, the time, Adam. Whatever. I, I was, what an awful name of a movie, the devil, the devil all the time. <laughs> It's a weird name. Not the worst name I've ever heard, but it's it is it's something else. Yeah, didn't care for it. What have you been watching though? I watched some Hodorowski films. Oh yeah. Yeah, I got a little slight deep dive into Hodorowski's uh El Topo and the Holy Mountain. Yeah. And <laughs> Oh my god. What an experience both of those were. I mean, it's funny because you'll watch El Topo and think you're primed for Holy Mountain. And you're not primed for the Holy Mountain. Right. You, you could never possibly be primed for the Holy <laughs> Mountain. El Topo, um, I, I was talking with Jabril about this. I was, because he had seen it. He really loves that movie. And I was telling him that I was Shocker, watching Shocker, by the yeah. way. <laughs> well, I was telling him that I was watching the Holy Mountain. And I told him that it, it makes El Topo look like Avengers Endgame with its level of accessibility. Oh, wow. And like El Topo is. Um, <sighs> It's just like a Western, right? 
No, I mean, yeah, but it's it's so much more than that. It's this weird spiritual journey of a movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, one of the <laughs> most bonkers character arcs I've ever seen in my entire life. I can't stress enough. Just that alone made it one of the weirder movies I'd ever seen. Like, because Alejandro Jodorowsky plays the lead character in the movie. Right. And where he is at the beginning of the film versus where he is at the end of the film is kind of startling. I vaguely remember some <laughs> so. of the, the beats because I saw Hodorowsky's Dune and they actually show some of the mm. clips from El Topo in there. So I, I feel like I got a general vibe of the movie. I also remember a little kid's penis being very prominent. Many penises being very prominent. Was not into that. There are many penises and vaginas and boobies. Yeah, I would prefer the clothed young boys. Many uh, killed rabbits, like dead animals on screen. Yeah, yeah, don't care for that. Many gutted horses. Right. Uh, yeah, there is a lot to deal with with this movie. Mm. Um, it is such a visceral experience, that, unlike anything I'd ever seen. It's, But it is a Western, I guess, through and through. It's just like where it chooses to go and the tones it, it, it decides to play with are just so unexpected. And I, I don't know why he wanted to go in these directions and it's absurdism in the purest sense, but it kind of works. Yeah. If you, I mean, cause the world is kind of well established as this surreal, absurd thing beforehand quite well. And by the end of it, even though like the, the changes it makes with its characters are pretty extreme. You kind of buy into it because that's just the insanity of Hodorowsky's mind. Right. And I guess that's the thing I can appreciate about his movies more than anything is that you are firmly in the head of Hodorowsky yes. when you're watching these movies. And The Holy Mountain is one of the best films I've ever seen. No shit. Um, man. And not, not necessarily that I'm in love with the movie th- through and through. I just think it's one of the best films ever made. Damn, dude. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, I don't think any filmmaker has done anything like this before ever and ever will attempt it. No one has the audacity to do something like this, not even like Werner Herzog. Yeah. I was just. Yeah, it actually gives me Werner Herzog vibe, just the, the little <laughs> pieces of key art that I've seen in clips online. Like it, it, it does give me like sort of that, uh, mm. that uh, Aguare oh. sort of vibe is it anything like that there is a there's sort of a tangibility to everything like as insane as everything is that you're watching you feel like you could touch everything it's kind of grimy and gross but so funny and so beautiful all at the same time um just a strange the imdb photos are just insane it is a strange poetic painting of a movie it's very very difficult what the hell is that those oh nico just turned to show me a picture that happens towards the the end of the film where some characters are walking up the holy mountain and a few of them are dealing with some um fears that they have i guess we could say or temptations i don't know what you want to call it this movie's weird but that image was of a man lying on the ground with tarantulas crawling all over his i see some swastikas here yep I see lots of naked people. Yeah. Wow. Many, 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 many naked people. Mm, yeah. More penises, more boobies. Holy shit. I mean, as just like a photo album, this is incredible. But this is the greatest art exhibit I've ever looked at. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. Like the movie is really amazing in that way. You'll just, you'll just like, I can't believe someone actually decided to make this movie. I can't believe they got so many people together to make this. I thought I must've been pretty expensive too, by the look of it, <sighs> dude. Like it, like say saying, it, I, I would love to sit someone down with this movie and hear them say the words. Oh, I know where this is going. Just to watch their utter dismay as the movie progresses. 
like there are ideas in this movie that I don't understand how you even arrive towards or arrive at rather. I don't know how you come up with it. I don't know how you write it. I don't know how you visualize it. It's, I mean, and it's all done practically, of course, but just, (laughs) there's just, oh my God, I'm trying to like rationalize this (laughs) film in my head. It's a hard one, man. Oh my God. It's a hard one. I need to watch it. I would love to do it for why is this a thing? Yeah. We need to just take a month and maybe it's December when Dune comes out. Maybe it'll be in February when Dune gets pushed to. You want to you want to <laughs> transition from Hodorowski into Dune? Yeah, I, mean, I don't That's know how idea. we can make it work, but we definitely need to just take a month and just get all of that out of our system because we're right on the cusp of some interesting conversation, I think. Dude, like wow. I mean, like unbelievable film in 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 every sense. Like it it is Could it we is, do a Hodorowski episode of this? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, let's He's, do that. Yeah. If you wanted to include, uh, well, yeah, I guess we could because he just released a, a few, uh, a couple new films too. He's coming out with a new one too. Put out a documentary last year uh, called what was that? Psycho Magic, a healing art, and then uh, another one in 2016 called Endless Poetry. Yeah, guy is still working. The Dance of Reality in 2013. Uh, then you got to go all the way back to 1990 with the Rainbow Thief, mm-hmm. Santa Sangre, Tusk. The Holy Mountain, El Topo, Fando and Liz. Yeah, let's do it. It's it's incredible, man. Let's do it. It's not your speed at all. Of course not. But like, of course I'm going to hate it. But why not, man? But like, Sometimes no, you gotta I don't push I, the boundaries. I don't know if you'll hate it. There, there are there's so much going on here, and and so much to appreciate. Just, just the sheer art, artistry of his films is sort of undeniable. Yeah. And even if you don't get it, which you won't. Uh, <laughs> Like it's just a, it's just an experience. I guess that yeah, that then that's certainly what he wants. He gives you an experience in the purest form. There is a scene where a man takes a shit in a beaker, and Alejandro Hodorowski turns that piece of shit into gold. Kind of a metaphor for this podcast. When you literally, say. <laughs> yeah, but that's literally what happens. We are not literally turning anything into gold. I wish. I we think were. I get that. I yeah. mean, I think I could understand that metaphor. I'm not sure you will when you see. It. Okay. Cool. Hodorowski. Yeah, man. Class of Hodorowski coming soon. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's turn our attention now to 1996. The issue at hand. Six movies nominated here. Again, we have Swingers, Scream, Train Spotting, Bottle Rocket, Sling Blade, and Fargo. One of them about to earn a spot in the movie Hall of Fame. Highest grossing movie of 1996, Independence Day. Oh. By a large margin. Number two was Twister, one of our favorites. Number three, Mission Impossible. Number four, The Rock. And number five, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Cool. Your nominees for Best Picture, Fargo, Jerry Maguire, Secrets and Lies, Shine, and your winner, The English Patient. Oh. Oh. Just die already! (laughs) (laughs) Anthony Mangella wins Best Director for The English Patient as well. Jeffrey Rush wins Best Actor for Shine. That seems like a bit of a stretch. Uh, Frances McDormand, of course, wins Best Actress for Fargo. Cuba Gooding Jr. wins Best Supporting Actor for Jerry Jerry Maguire. Many people considered Cuba Gooding Jr. to be the worst actor to ever win an Oscar. (laughs) Really? Oh, yeah. And I think that's probably fair. And Juliette Binoche wins Best Supporting Actress for The English Patient. Okay. Some honorable mentions. Obviously, Jerry Maguire, we just mentioned. Show me the money. I like that movie. Who doesn't? Yeah, it's a good one. How do you not love Jerry Maguire? Uh, Mission Impossible, I think you can make a good argument for that here. I think that the six that we have are more interesting, but 
Uh, it's my favorite of the Mission Impossible movies. So. Really? Still is. Walt De Palma. I'm not like as big on them as you are. I certainly don't love that last movie, but uh, yeah, like I just I I I love the the, the direction of that movie. What's your favorite of the newer so. movies? Oh, uh, Ghost Protocol. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Renner. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, good old Rennie. <laughs> Renner pushes that over the edge. People versus Larry Flint came out in '96, mm. as well as Hard Eight, mm-hmm. the first Paul Thomas Anderson movie. He's kind of disavowed that movie. It was sort of taken away from him at the time. Didn't get final cut over it, but I still like it quite a bit. Uh, Independence Day, as we just said, Romeo plus Juliet, movie plus that Ju- I hated watching in high school. Everyone says Romeo plus Juliet. I, I'm, I'm the only one that says Romeo and Juliet. Is that how you stylize it? Romeo. You don't plus have to Juliet. stylize it when you're speaking it. It's like Alien Cubed. What am I going to say? S7N? That's right. S7N? Okay. Damn, damn straight. Okay. I call Kesha K-E dollar sign ha. Mm. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Space Jam came out in 96, as well as That Thing You Do. Tom Hanks's only directorial effort. Has he directed something since then? He must have. I'm sure he has. Don't think he did. No, come on. Let's fact check this. I bet you he's directed two other films, at least. That's what the over-under is? I had two other films. Two yes. other films? All right, let's see. Tom Hanks. I'm going to go under on that one. Directed movies. Uh, Larry Crown. Oh. He did in 2011. And that's it. Okay. So he did two films. Two movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that thing you do, though. Very good. Happy Gilmore. I like Happy Gilmore. Sure you do. The Rock. <laughs> You've never liked Happy Gilmore. I, I, you know me, an early Sand, Sandler. Sure. I just think like he's finally. Oh, he's finally. He's finally a- made after, it. After going to, to Uncut Gems, he's, he's yeah. now going to only do that. He's finally there. Oh, you're full of now shit. That we're, we're at the fully evolved Pokemon <laughs> version of Adam Sandler. Th- that was an anomaly, okay? It's not, man. <laughs> yes. We're here, and he's here to stay. Oh, you're in denial. Good Sandler's here to stay. Oh, stop it. From Dust Till Dawn came out in 1996. I like that movie. Of course, who doesn't? I don't like The Rock, but that's fine. You don't? No, Rock sucks. What? It's always sucks. What? It's part of the Holy Trinity. Okay. Of Con Air, The Rock, and Face Off. <laughs> They're not very it's good. the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Well, those... Uh, <laughs> Cage are, in the 90s. Are, are we splitting hairs over the quality here? No. It's all... Come on. Those are three classics. Put that in the Mount Rushmore. Oh, Jesus Christ. Cage, baby. Get out of here. Um... What else came out that year? Twister, as I just said. Ransom. Mel Gibson. Pretty good. Gary Sinise. You ever seen that movie? What? Ransom. No. I loved it when I was 10. <laughs> Fucking loved it. I have not seen One it. One of the first R-rated movies I ever saw. Wait, who's in that? Gary Sinise and Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I have not seen it's it. It's his son is kidnapped and held for ransom. Oh, that's why it's called Ransom. Right. I see. Yeah. But he gets revenge. Here's the twist of the movie. What? What he decides to do is turn the tables on the bad guy. And rather than paying the ransom, he uses all of the money to take a hit out on the captor. When he do that? Takes out a bounty. So is the... I'm not giving you a penny of this money. Instead, I'm going to give this money to whoever finds you and kills you. It's good shit. Ransom. So what's the premise? Him just saving up money? No, he's a rich man. Oh, Mel so why didn't he do that to begin with? Well, it's forget it. <laughs> Big Night came out in 96. Uh, a Time to Kill uh, by the late great Joel Schumacher. Primal Fear at Norton's uh, filmic debut. Mars Attacks. Oh, a movie I quite like. Mars Attacks. 
I like that movie. Oh, because it's got the exclamation point. Mother! Good movie. Martha Tax. James and Giant Peach terrified me as a child. Me too. Citizen Ruth. Alexander Payne's first movie. Laura Dern stars. The Cable Guy. And boy, did it pain me not to put this one on here. I was just watching this movie two days ago. The Birdcage. Oh, The Birdcage. You love The Birdcage. Oh, I love The Birdcage. I like The Birdcage, too. Fussy, fussy one. Madonna. Madonna. (laughs) I don't get it. I like the movie, but like, Jesus. (laughs) Calm down, Nico. One does want a hint of color. (laughs) When he's got those giant pink socks on. A perfect comedy. Just a perfect comedy. Yes, it's quite good. Gene Hackman's unbelievable in that. It's quite good. (laughs) How about gays in the military? (laughs) What's, What's that about? Uh, okay. Want to do this? Yes. Swingers. Directed by Doug Lyman. <laughs> starring Vince Vaughn, John Favreau, and Ron Livingston. A wannabe actor has a hard time moving on from a breakup, but he is lucky to have supportive friends. Your money, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's the movie. That's all it is. So money. Yep. It's so money. You watched it for the first time, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's a, it's a cute little movie. It is. Yeah, a cute little delightful movie. That's about as simple as you could possibly get. It is quite literally about a guy trying to get over a, a relationship and his friends just saying, go talk to that girl. Right. That's kind of the movie. Mm. Uh, I expected it to be a little bit more than that. Uh, but once I realized that this was all it was going to be, I was like, okay, okay, let's just sit with John Favreau for the movie. And it was, yeah, it was, a, it was the nicest movie I've ever seen. It was a sweet as pie movie, and I would love to watch it again. And it's nice to see um, a, an old Vince Vaughn here. You can see where so like many of his future performances came from, mm. uh, and why he was sort of pigeonholed in a weird way. Definitely, it's like this is just what he was doing in old school and many many other films, and Wedding Crashers, you know, etc. Not his best performance, in my opinion, but you know maybe a second, yeah, second best performance. What what would his best performance be? Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine. Got it. Um, very good in that. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, like it's cool to see a not fat John Favreau. <laughs> <laughs> I was sort of reading his character as um like. Uh, Woody Allen type if Woody Allen grew up wearing a wife beater rather than suits. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. That's money is what that is. <laughs> that is so money. You're welcome. Uh, and yeah, just all around, like just this, 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 this little treat of a movie that ends with this just wonderful, wonderful third act that just was really touching to me. And with these great arcs with both Vince Vaughn's character and John Favreau's character, you know, it's, it's not like, like breaking the bank with its level of like impressive stuff going on. It just, it just works as this nice little thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's so crazy to see what these guys ended up doing. Like, Doug Lyman does the Bourne franchise yeah. and writes the entire Bourne franchise, ends up directing a couple of those movies and is known as just like a really sleek action director that's, you know, that does mostly thrillers. And John Favreau literally takes over Disney. Yeah. Like John Favreau is the king of Disney now. He is shepherding a- any story imaginable. All of the animated remakes, all of the Star Wars stuff. He's probably going to be involved with Marvel going forward. Yeah. He essentially began the Marvel Cinematic Universe in 2008. Uh, it's just so crazy to see just this little slacker comedy mm. from the 90s, which he wrote, I think he said, in two weeks. It really? Took him two weeks to write this thing. His father bought him screenwriting software, 
And so he was just playing around with the screenwriting software to see if he could write a screenplay and just started like writing about a recent breakup he got in and started putting stand-ins for real friends of his in the movie. And it just sort of became swingers and it gets made again. It's, it's a, it's a Weinstein thing. Weinstein gave him a big fat check, Mm -hmm. let him star in the movie. And uh, it's just crazy that these humble beginnings, you imagine that guys like this just keep making movies like this, but no, sometimes they're given, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to reanimate the Lion King. (laughs) Just crazy. You would have never thought that. I love the trajectory of that though. And it's kind of, I mean, you can't help but look back on them or look forward, you know, as you're watching the movie, like, oh my God, this is where they began and this is what they're going to do. Yeah. This is the thought that that guy whining about a girlfriend for six months goes on to make iron man right it's pretty fucking crazy to me <laughs> i don't know like it's it it the humble beginnings is definitely here and it kind of makes the movie better in my opinion yeah it, it's funny how this movie has kind of aged well in that way just from an outside perspective didn't really do well at the time it got decent reviews was a box office failure mm-hmm. um but i think just sort of gained momentum from video rentals mm-hmm. and it became just sort of this uh this siren call to like young dudes <laughs> you know that were having trouble in their relationships and liked going to Vegas. And, you know, now we have the hangovers and we have all the Judd Apatow movies and all of like these modern bromance movies and they're raunchy and they're exploitative and they're like sexual and gross. And it's just like, give me this movie all the time. Give me like the coolness and the heart and the soul of this movie Mm. all the time. I'm sure this is not that far away from 40 year old virgin, just sort of in its spirit. But I don't know. I would just much rather hang out with these guys. Yeah. No, I mean, like, like even the people in this who would normally be shitty, like Vince Vaughn's character is kind of endearing. And you, you even though like the way his, his practices with picking up women are questionable. Yeah. <laughs> you still like kind of love the guy. Like he, he, he sells himself as like the buddy. Yeah. Here. These and, aren't bad dudes. No, no. Like they're thoroughly your friends. And even when the movie's being like silly, there's sort of an auth- authenticity to the comedy here. It's not, 40 year old virgin level of ridiculousness right. is like like a grounded level of funny that yes. I, I could see happening at a club or a party right it just made it work all the uh, all the better for me personally and i and that's the other thing like next to something like specifically the hangover this movie just has so much more heart than that like yeah i feel like a lot of those movies the modern day sort of bro movies i don't even know what for we've talked about this quite a bit i don't even know what the phrase is just sort of that raunchy like um I don't know. Apatovian maybe is the word, Um, but uh, just that, that just sort of that gross, (laughs) just like bro-y sensibility. It's like, those are the friends that some directors wish they had swingers. Those are the types of friends that you already have. And everybody has a friend like Vince Vaughn in this Mm -hmm. movie. Everybody has a friend like Ron Livingston in this movie. And everybody definitely has a friend like Jon Favreau, unless they are the Jon Favreau of their friends. No one wants to admit that they're the Jon Favreau. (laughs) Definitely. Um, But it's just, it's so damn relatable in that way. And there's nothing that's played up. There's um, in, in the way that, um, you know, some of those hangover movies are like when they go to Vegas here and they arrive and they go Vegas, baby Vegas. 
there's just a bunch of old people playing blackjack in the middle of the day. Yeah. Well, that, that, I, I love that scene so, so much. Because yeah. It, it just, it just takes away like the mysticism of it all. Mm-hmm. And I've expressed the fact that I don't have any issue with a movie going extreme if it wants to. It's just a different type of story and movie for that reason. Uh-huh. But if you want to go little, you better know how to be little. Yeah. And this movie certainly does that well. Like the difference between this and the hangover is that the hangover is more of like, it sounds so weird to say, but that's more of a theater experience. If that makes any sense. I mean, Todd it's, Phillips is that, yeah, yeah, is a big screen filmmaker. It's, it's crazier. It's, it's bigger. It like it, it's level of like emotion and, and, and I guess, I don't know, oversaturation, to all the elements of the stories and the characters is just more applicable for that. Uh, medium rather than just sitting down on your couch. I would rather sit down on my couch and watch Swingers than The Hangover, I suppose. Oh, definitely. Whereas, like, if I were to see Swingers in the theater, it might be a little weird. It's right. Not, it's not a theater experience at all. But yeah. that's it's not a bad thing. This is a better movie than The Hangover. Definitely. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just so many great little moments. Blackjack, when he doubles down at the beginning, is just fantastic. When they're playing hockey, mm. uh, that hockey video game, and yeah, he goes, yeah. like, <laughs> they're a finesse team. <laughs> <laughs> they're playing on, like, an N64 yeah. with the most basic coding. They're a finesse team. Just I, Well, everybody we know has done that. I mean, having a game night with people and just... Oh, like, like last night I did that. Oh, you, you, what did you <laughs> well, do? Well, no, I'm just saying. It happens every weekend for me. This is my life. I love... I, I st- man, I, I miss the college days where we would have the super smash bros uh uh a session where everyone would come over and you would swap teams oh it was the best the best it was the best the fucking best and that's man. what this is yes and um the phone call great it's the best great stuff it's the best awkward phone call i've ever seen in a movie so good i was i have not cringed that hard in a long time yeah very good and an unbelievable ending Yes. Oh, sweetest ending ever. I loved it. Unbelievable ending. I loved it. Yeah. I wish that movies about dudes allowed themselves to be this small and this quaint and this honest. Humble. Yeah, well, yeah. Humble and just have humility about the thing. Like the, every here, everyone here, even if you love them, they're all kind of flawed. There's no like, there's nothing like self-righteous about any of them. Mm-hmm. It, I just love the, 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 it's the best way to dis- describe it. The, I don't know. There, there's like a punkish quality to it. There's also the, an element of me that's like, you, you kids are so stupid. Yeah. But you're learning. You're learning. Yeah. Yes. You know what? That's the other problem with it. This movie feels like it's about young people and it's made by young people. Mm-hmm. When Todd Phillips makes a movie like this, it's about young people, but it's clearly made by an old person. Sure. That thinks that they're young and thinks that they're hip and thinks that they're a rebel. <laughs> Eventually, yeah. John Favreau grew out of this. Eventually, yeah. Vince Vaughn grew out of this. Eventually, Ron Livingston and Doug Lyman grew out of this. Uh, Todd Phillips is still growing. He's never. Judd Apatow's still growing. He's never going to be done growing, I think. <laughs> that's, Todd the, that's the sad part. Yeah, That's cool. the sad part. You know what? To use a metaphor that this movie would understand, just be the guy behind the guy. Oh, I see. How about that? <laughs> Double down. Be the guy behind the guy. <laughs> You don't always have to be the guy. I like that. Mm. Swingers. Glad you liked it. Me too. Scream. Directed by Wes Craven. Starring Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Matthew Lillard, and briefly Drew Barrymore. Everyone says it's a Drew, a Drew Barrymore film. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's, a Drew, it's not a Drew Barrymore film at all. Well, it was marketed as a Drew Barrymore film. And I don't give a shit if it was marketed as a Drew Barrymore film. She's the only like major star in the movie. It is not a Drew Barrymore movie. <laughs> she is gutted and hung <laughs> in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, it's a Drew Barrymore movie in the way that, that The Hunt is, a, uh, is an Emma Roberts movie. Yeah. No, how about this? It's a, it's a Drew Barrymore film in the way that Alien Covenant is a James Franco movie. Perfect. 
<laughs> I always forget he's in that. It is unbelievable every time you remind me of that. That they give James Franco a voiceless performance in the first five minutes of Alien Covenant. They literally put him in a tank yes. and set him on fire. And it takes roughly, I don't know, 30 seconds. It's insane. Yeah. it's No, it's insane that that movie doesn't think it's a comedy. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. it's insane that Ridley Scott doesn't realize... That he's making a comedy in the are, first five minutes. Are you noticing my problems with Alien Covenant? It's not a problem. <laughs> yes, it Let's is. Let's be clear. <laughs> it's the fact that Michael Fassbender gets in a homoerotic relationship with himself. It completely depends on how you choose to watch the movie. If you choose to watch it's it fucking as, a, hilarious. as a comedy, sure. But that's not what it's they It's hysterical. Were, that doesn't mean that that's what they were going for. <laughs> Well, Wes Craven's definitely going for that here. Okay, yes. Yeah. A year after the murder of her mother, a teenage girl is terrorized by a new killer who targets the girl and her friends by using horror films as part of a deadly game. Hmm. Uh, this movie at the time earned $173 million at the box office, becoming the highest grossing slasher movie until the release of Halloween in 2018. However, if you ingest for inflation, it is still the number one of all time. Huge box office success, huge cultural success. I think it is like the definitive film of the MTV generation <laughs> yep. in sort of like the, the young 20 something nineties group of, you know, of the Courtney Cox's, the Nev Campbell's, the Matthew Lillard's, the Drew Barrymore's. Um, I'm not sure those uh, actors are like De Niro and Pacino and <laughs> Hoffman in the seventies. No, <laughs> but this is definitely like them at the peak of their powers. And I think Wes Craven understands how to use them. Right. I suppose so. Like, he was always someone who was very in touch with the times. Yeah. And did a good job at adjusting to them, even when he kept making movies. I mean, he's got one movie. Uh, I forgot what it is. It, it's, it, it, it came out in, I think, just... Scream 4. No, but it was right before Scream 4. Scream 3. No. Scream 2. No, no. It came before <laughs> Scream 4. The hell was it? recently yeah oh, uh, God, what the fuck was that movie let's see it's gonna be it wasn't very good it's gonna be my soul to take there you go yeah that movie was kind of bad yeah but um aside from that like if i'm being honest i like all of the scream movies do you yeah i've only seen the first one and the fourth one is actually my second favorite really which, yeah which is kind of interesting i think it's kind of criminally underrated although i think over time it's gotten more of a cult following in that way people like scream too yeah, I like Scream 2. It's 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 not as great as people like to think it is because it's so similar to that second one, that first one. And I know that's kind of the point where it's kind of commenting on the the slasher genre, but right. almost to a fault in that movie. And then the third movie, again, I don't mind that one. It's just the one that has the least amount of stuff to do, least amount of interesting things to do. Hmm. Whereas I felt I felt like the 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 fourth one was the best representation, I, I guess, what that first movie was going for. Right. All those years ago, you know, and just satirizing remakes in the pure sense. And I loved it. And it was funny. And Hayden Pantiere is great in that. <laughs> oh, my God. And Emma Roberts, like, like um, I, I love what happens with her character because I don't like Emma Roberts. So <laughs> what is this vendetta you have against Emma Roberts? Oh, I fucking hate Emma Why? Roberts. Why? She's just annoying to me. I don't, I don't like her at all. Well, okay. So, well, see, then you have been rewarded handsomely across the years. Yeah. with like Because you've that. seen her die in grotesque fashion a number of times. Oh, it's great. The hunt was just beautiful. <laughs> I cheered out loud. I, oh, she's terrible. But um, I think Emma Roberts is a little more self-aware than you're giving her credit. Wait, where, where's your evidence? 
Well, the hunt is definitely an example. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. You know she's known to be a pain in the ass to work with. I mean, okay. Sure. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I, yeah, she has resting bitch face. Yes. Okay, fine. What do you want? That's it. That's all I need. You just validated me, so thank you. She's a lovely young woman. Okay. Lovely. Uh, I... <laughs> She's the kind of presence you approach at a party and you, you, you're interested to talk, to talk to her and then you're five seconds in and you hear the Jaws music in the background like Vince Vaughn and Swingers and you're like, right. okay, I'm going away. <laughs> <laughs> and you tear up the number. That's Emma Roberts. Maybe. I don't know. I just had a huge crush on her at 13. Oh, is that what it That's is? That's really all it is. It's uh, really all it so is. So now we're getting down to it. Yeah. She was just on Nickelodeon a lot. What do you want? You need to take that veil off. I was confused for this for a while. Like, why does he fucking defend Emma Roberts? <laughs> what is this? Oh, it's because you wanted to have sex with Emma Roberts. I don't think it? I knew it at the time, but. Yeah. You wanted to put rosary beads in her butt, didn't you? No, I think I wanted to just hold her hand. Oh, oh. I think that's all, that's all it was. What, at 13, you didn't want to have a rosary job with Emma Roberts? I didn't know what a rosary bead was, so I didn't know what it could possibly be used for. Come on. But now I know. Come on. After watching multiple maniacs, (laughs) now I know. In interviews, she has expressed how into that she is, actually. Fun fact. Is that right? She really likes rosary jobs. Oh, cool. Let's put Emma Roberts in a John Waters movie. I'd love it. I'm sure she'd go for it. Yeah. (laughs) Call her unself-aware now, bitch. This is a tangent. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Scream. Scream. Talk to me. This is a you movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, 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 one of my favorites. I love this movie to death, and yeah. I've, I've, I've always loved this movie. It's sort of like one that was pivotal to my upbringing. Um, I discovered it after Wes Craven's New Nightmare, though, is because going through some of his movies, I realized that uh, the his prior Nightmare on Elm Street film was sort of a prototype to this movie. It's almost like Scream, just pre-Scream. Yeah, uh, everything that movie's doing, he kind of does here, except that movie wasn't recognized i think the way that he wanted it to be so he decided to go all in on those themes here mm-hmm. um just that self-awareness and commenting on his own genre and sort of picking it picking it apart and emphasizing why it works and also why it's silly um and it's just it's just like a, a joy yeah this movie's just awesome in every way like it's equally as thrilling as it is funny and these characters while like i'm not like blown away by them they, they're just a delight to hang out with even if the movie is kind of like you know it, it, it gets to be this bloody slasher film it in a way i just like it as a hangout movie yeah <laughs> it sounds so weird or to as say. a whodunit movie yeah. sure yeah. sure yeah and i think the whodunit elements are quite smart yeah and uh, subversive in all the correct ways and also like satisfying yeah i actually find that twist to be very satisfying in the way that i don't find a lot of those types of twists to be a lot of it is just how these characters are written too, like the way you grow to to have a relationship with Billy mm-hmm. and um, uh, Matthew Lillard, Lillard's character. I always forget that that guy's name. I forget his name too. Uh, I hate it when I do this. But, I'll find um, it. Keep going. But yeah, like like how you're you're sort of on the edge of your seat about whether or not you want to be on Billy's side, and you're never quite there for him or against him. Stuart. Okay, Stuart. But you're always trying to figure out um, on Billy, and to see him uh, shift in that way is just—I don't know—it's really, really cool to, for when it actually lands. And you're not like—I—I I, I don't know—it's like it's—it's it's a mixture of just—I guess it's different. Like some movies are, are are trying to go for like a heartbreaking thing. I didn't really quite get that out of this. It's more so trying to be like a fun, like "Ooh, wow! Oh, it was you the whole time." Right. It's not like "No, Billy! Yeah. Oh, I'm so sad." It's like. Oh shit, it's Billy. Yeah. I love that about the film. Right. So in that way, like the movie is just, it, it makes sense why this movie was such a success because it is such 
uh, an accessible horror movie in that way where everyone kind of connects to it. And over the years, people are like, this is how these movies operate, right? Right. So it's nice to see a movie like address people's concerns and have fun doing it while just still being a pretty good, you know, slasher horror movie. Yes. I mean, that is the key. Like they, they have to pull off the actual slasher elements before they can satirize it. That's the mark of any great piece of satire, but it's Wes Craven doing it. It's like, did you, did you think he wouldn't be able to do it? No, of course not. I, I mean, I think when I first saw the movie, I just thought of it as just, you know, one of those movies that's on MTV a lot or on Mm. sci-fi a lot. And, people like it and it's just sort of an exploitative just slasher pick that at that point in time there were just so many of them and i mean when i saw the movie i saw it probably i don't know as a teenager when i was like 13 14 and it's just it's one of a million that sort of blended together now i think i watch it and i go oh yeah there's actually a lot of interesting stuff going on with the script more i i think interesting than just sort of viscerally thrilling i think some of the stuff is a little heavy-handed but you know, it's more like clever than it is smart. Does that make any sense? <laughs> that is how I feel about uh, Get Out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair. <laughs> you know, is that also how you feel about It Follows? No, no, no. That's how. Uh, well, I, I have some reservations with the myth- mythos with It Follows, but that movie is it's still a smart movie. Okay. You know, it's it's a blending of the two. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean. It's yeah, it's definitely clever. It's not like the most intelligent movie ever made, but it's not entirely trying to be. Yeah. Like I said, it's 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 just trying to. Ha- uh, hmm. I, I think just at the end of the day, it just works as a blockbuster. Yes. I mean, th- th- there is definitely something clever about it. Like the movie certainly got people thinking and it's definitely one of those movies that sort of changed the way we, we, we think about horror movies in general. And I don't know if this is a good or bad legacy, but it's sort of. adopted like that internet mindset well the sort yeah the self-referential just yeah the the reddit nerd this is a reddit nerd movie yeah this is the type of movie that if you just copy and pasted a reddit reddit message board in onto the page you would have the script for this movie sure and but look tarantino movies are the same way yeah you know like this was uh four years after reservoir dogs reservoir dogs was 92 Mm -hmm. both of those movies feature the characters explicitly talking about the plots of other movies this one is i think more self-referential and like it's more baked into the story um but the 90s i i think it's safe to say was is an era of postmodernism. that's when the sort of postmodern uh movement of cinema began and yeah this is definitely one of the sort of highlights of that era. Yeah. It gave us a lot of movies or made movies like this possible now, you know, some good, some bad, but most bad, I would say. Yeah. 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 It's kind of a mixed bag for me. Yeah. Uh, I am happy that it exists though. Cause it's certainly one of the better, uh, Wes Craven films, one of the more iconic films. And it's one that I just like revisiting on Halloween as well. It's just a delightful little movie. And I would say in terms of like how smart the movie is, it's like, it, it's, you're definitely right that it's it's probably more clever than it is smart. Not to say that I think it's not smart though, but it's not like pretentious at all. No, I guess is is, is what I'm saying. It's just smart enough. <laughs> yes, I guess is what I'll say. Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. It's very hard to replicate a movie like this. Put it that way. Yeah. If you even make that now, it, it just I, I think like if you make Swingers now, it still works. If you make Train Spotting now, it still works. You make Scream now, I don't know. I don't know if you could pull it off in 2020. I, I I hate, I fucking hate going back to this, but I guess in a way the, the closest comparison, oh boy. <laughs> Honestly, I think the closest comparison now is with superhero films is The Boys. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to make me watch The Boys? You're not going to like The Boys, so don't watch it. Okay. 
<laughs> How's season two going? I haven't seen it yet. I've been busy with other stuff. Got it. But I'll get around to it. Me too. Yeah. I've been busy with other <laughs> stuff too. Uh, okay. Train spotting. Directed by Danny Boyle. Not his debut, but uh, definitely his signature movie. Starring Ewan McGregor, Johnny Lee Miller, Robert Carlyle, and Kelly McDonald. Nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Written, deeply immersed, deep, deeply, deeply immersed, Julie deeply immersed. What? Julie deeply, Julie deeply. <sighs> was a before sunrise joke. Written, deeply immersed in the Edinburgh <laughs> drug scene. <laughs> Am I on heroin right now? What's happening? Tries to clean up and get out despite the allure of the drugs and influence of friends. Okay. That's a synopsis. Give me some Ewan McGregor, will you? Give you some Ewan McGregor. Give me some. Give me some quotes. Oh, God. Do you want to do the choose life monologue? I'm not good at that. Because I have it in front of you if you need it. Oh, God. <laughs> he does have it. <laughs> I thought that this might present itself, this opportunity. I, I, I'm not that good at a Scottish accent. Let's do it. Choose Mr. President. Choose life. Choose a job. Choose a career. Choose a family. Choose a fucking big television. Choose washing machine <laughs> cars, compact disc players, and electric tin openers. <laughs> Choose good health, low cholesterol, a dental insurance. I can't do it. Keep going. You're on God a roll. Jesus, this is fucking long. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm skipping down. Choose running away at the end of it all. Pissing your last time. Uh, what? Choose. I'm a terrible at Where's reading. the Irish broke? Uh, <laughs> nothing more than an embarrassment to the selfish, uh, fucked up brats you spawn to replace yourselves. Choose your future. Choose life. Da, da, da. Choose heroin. Choose heroin. Choose a job. Just give me one more fucking hit. <laughs> <laughs> Choose a three-piece suit on hire. Purchasing a range of fucking fabrics. <laughs> Choose DIY and wondering what the fuck you're on Sunday morning. It's hardly a substitute. <laughs> My name's Bono and I want you to save the fucking penguins. Yeah, this movie's fucking fantastic. Magically delicious. Yeah, I love this heroin. Movie. Magically delicious. Yeah, this is a movie we talk about all the fucking time, yeah. but there's a good reason for it because. I truly have not seen a more lively directorial job than this movie. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Never seen it before. It, it's almost stressful at times. Like the the amount of just like like adrenaline infused into this movie. Like when you watch it, I could see someone having an, an, an anxiety attack. Yes. With just how much is being like thrown at your face just tonally. Uh but also just with the like you said the liveliness of these characters and the movement of all the cameras and the scenes and it's just like it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot, but I think it gels to, together quite nicely. Yeah. But the thing is, it's not just a movie that is trying to deal with like a real life scenario of heroin. I mean, it in essence, it is like spiritually, that's kind of what it's about. But the movie is so fantastical as well. And I love how it blends like the reality with the fantasy at times. Mm. And it never feels out of place. And you always get it immediately as soon as it happens. And <laughs> I mean, it's one of the most disgusting movies I've ever seen in my life. But it's funny. It it, it it helps by at the end of it all having a really solid heart. Yeah, and it it's it's weird. It's like I I kind of watch it and I'm like I don't want to go back to this movie 
but I always end up going back to it. It's yeah. like heroin. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent, man. Like, I just want to see that baby crawling on the ceiling. Yeah. I watched it recently with my girlfriend and she did not have a good time. No. All. But um, I was laughing the entire way through. <laughs> It is really a miracle of a movie, just a miracle of tone. It mm-hmm. really just pulls off a number of tones. There's one other movie on this list that I think is the biggest miracle of tone that's ever existed. But uh, Train Spotting, it, it, you're 100% right. It pulls off the heart, pulls off the humor, pulls off the grossness, pulls off just sort of the destitute nature of drug use. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I've never done a drug in my life. I've never even fucking smoked weed in my life. Mm. But I kind of understand what it's like to be on drugs after watching this movie. I feel like I have a pretty like firm grasp on what addiction is like. And I understand that I wouldn't want any part of it. Yeah, I know. I mean, I've known people like this too. Have you? I've never been, I've never been addicted to heroin. Thank God. Oh, that's good. I've done my experimentation. Unfortunately, I've never been this bad, but I've done heroin. No, 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 no. Oh, I was going to say, um, but I've done other stuff. <laughs> I've done some stuff that is in this movie. Okay. Um, yeah, like, but I do, I, I, one of my closest childhood friends was very similar to this. It only just got better. Oh, wow. And he's now um, 28. Okay. Damn. So, so yeah, like, don't do heroin, people. Yeah. Do not do heroin. It doesn't, it's not a good thing at all. Yeah. You know, it, it, it whether it's Ewan McGregor or Timothy Chalamet, don't do it. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a good PSA. Yeah. Good thing. But like, man, it, it's also another one of the, those movies where it's, there's a lot of audacity in telling the story like this. Cause there are both sides where you could tell it's super realistic and very depressing and hard to handle. And then there's other sides that can kind of face it with this sort of sharp stick mentality where we're going to, we, it's almost as if like, we're going to do a movie about heroin. It's going to be awesome. And then at the same time, it's also pointing out how horrible it is and it can't help but be like, yeah, okay, it's pretty shitty. Yeah. But we're going to righteously say fuck you to it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it, in a weird way, it becomes kind of an inspiring movie for that, being able to accomplish that. Cause I can't imagine any movie doing this ever again. And even though I actually like Train Spotting 2, it doesn't come anywhere near as close to this. Yeah. I mean, I think we said it at the time we did a podcast about yeah. T2. There's just no need for a sequel. There has never been a movie that is less in need of a sequel than Train Spotting, <laughs> just because that first one is so destitute and like such bad shit happens in that first one. And it's like, no, I don't want to hang out with these guys again. I don't want to see what they're doing 20 years from now. I want no. to leave them in the past. No. I don't yeah, want to yeah. see them at a rehab center. I don't want to see you and McGregor running on a treadmill now. <laughs> I want to see him running down the streets of Edinburgh. Yep. Um, and I thought the sequel was okay. Uh, I, I didn't love it as much as you did. Um, but, you know, part of that reason is because the expectation was so high after this first movie. Danny Boyle has never directed something just as vivid as this movie. He's never come anywhere close. Uh, 28 Days Later, I think, is probably his second best movie if if we were to poll 100 people. I guess. In terms of, like, 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 in terms of, like, what, like, showiness or energy put yeah. into his films? I mean... I, I mean, Steve Jobs is not like this. No, I wouldn't say that. Yesterday is not like no, this. No, no. Uh, but I mean, like, he, the, the Slumdog Millionaire has a lot of energy to it. And it does. 127 Hours has a lot of energy to it. Uh, even though that's a movie about a guy stuck in a rock. Like, that, that is a movie that is, like, like... It's not slow. 
no, no, that movie pops. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Definitely. So yeah, I I, I don't know. He's always kind of had that in him, but. There, it's weird, though, because I always thought, like, when, when I saw this movie, I did feel like, okay, he is, like, running 100 miles an hour in this movie. I don't know how you follow this up. Like, no, I don't know yeah. how you're keeping that many balls in the air at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when you watch his other movies, though, you kind of get the feeling, like, oh, yeah, he's not... He, he, you could easily make the argument that Slumdog Millionaire is a faster, more energetic movie. But right. It doesn't feel as energetic as something like this. Right. You know? No, it just sort of felt to me like, and it's because of the type of the director that Danny Boyle is. He's just a, he's a young person's director. He yep. directs with youthful energy. And like directing is like any craft. As you get older, you get a little slower and you have to sort of evolve. Like there's there was a certain point in time where Tom Brady could just fucking sling the ball around the field and just, you know, hit Randy Moss downfield for 80 yards. Can't do that anymore. And so he's had to change his game and evolve. But when you watch him try to do what he did 20 years ago, he looks terrible. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what Martin Scorsese has done. Martin Scorsese is not capable of making Goodfellas again, but he's capable of making the Irishman. Sure. You know, he's not capable of making Raging Bull again. By the way, rest in peace, Michael Chapman. We didn't even mention that. Michael Chapman. Uh Yeah. He's not capable. So he's evolved. I think Quentin Tarantino in many ways has evolved. Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs are young man's movies. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is an older man's movie. Uh, After Train Spotting, if you return to the same material, the same characters, and you try to make it in the same way, it's always going to fall short. I just think that's the nature of filmmaking. Sure. Um, So that, I think, was just... Part of the disappointment with T2 is I I just thought like, oh, yeah, he's going for the same cuts. He's lighting it in the same way. There are similar transitions. There's similar musical choices, but it's just not train spotting. I no, I I, I'm a little I I back away from that a little bit. I think he's matured enough and you can see it. And I mean, part of the point of that movie is that they're they're kind of maturing. But at the same time, there's that past that's holding them back. So they're sort of connected to it, whether they want to to get away from it or not. So the relationship between those two things felt kind of appropriate. And I, I, I kind of liked the, the cinematic language in that movie. Mm-hmm. It, it worked for me and it, it felt appropriate. It didn't feel like out of place. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't even think out of place is the right word. I just think a little weak sauce. I just think watered down compared to what this movie is. And again, I've never seen a movie that is this vibrant, this vivid. And especially when you're tackling the subject of drug use, which is normally lit in, you know, very darkly with some very somber music Mm. strewn throughout, you know, this one's rough. It is rough. (laughs) Yeah, it is rough, but it is incredible. It is incredible. I mean, how could you? I mean, it gave us Ewan McGregor. It it did. This is a wonderful. It did indeed. Ewan performance. It is a wonderful Ewan performance. Yes. Yes. I like Ewan McGregor. Are you calling out my vendetta against Ewan? I don't have a vendetta. I was going to say, you're not a huge... You kind of go back and forth on him. No, I don't. I'm pretty much on the fourth part of that. <laughs> I've not gone back. Oh. <laughs> just gone forth. What does that mean? Meaning that he's bad. Oh, he's bad. I just think Ewan McGregor's not a good actor anymore. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was once a good actor, and I think now I see him, and I cringe. Like what? Dr. Sleep. Well, he's great in Dr. Sleep. No, though. he's not. Yes, he is. Stop it. You have you have such an unfair, ridiculous hatred towards that movie, and it's like a great movie. It's not a great movie. Nico, yes, it is. It's a great movie. It's Knock awesome. It yes. And he's really good in that movie. Did you see that Christopher Robin movie? Yeah. He's fine in that. He's okay. not he's he's much better in Doctor Sleep. So Doctor Sleep is fantastic. I've grown to like think that that movie's actually kind of excellent. Yeah, so is the internet. Yeah. Everyone agrees with you. Oh, thank you. I'm, I, I'm on the outside looking at it. I, didn't, okay. I did not even know that. Yeah. 
No, the tide is turning on on Doctor Sleep. Okay, for sure. <laughs> anyway, train spotting. Anything else about that? Oh no, train spotting is dope. Yeah, haha. <laughs> no pun intended. It's dope. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Oh, we're in a silly mood today. Yeah. Bottle Rocket. Yeah, Bottle Rocket. Directed by Wes Anderson, based on the short film of the same name, which he made with Owen Wilson back in 1992. Starring Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, Robert Musgrave, and James Caan. Three friends plan to pull off a simple robbery and go on the run. Yep. First time I saw this movie. Mm-hmm. Wes Anderson's first movie. That's great. Early, early Wes Anderson, before he picked up a lot of the habits that you hate. That's right. Yep. When his characters were allowed to be characters. Oh, stop it. And, you know, we're allowed to, like, Aww. say things the way that real human beings say things. Oh, says the guy who likes uh, Christopher Nolan. Look, no need to fling mud. <laughs> I will do any. No and need all, to make this personal. Any and all ad hominem attacks on Christopher Nolan. Why are we using this as a chance to drag the name of Christopher Nolan through the mud? Why are we doing this? <laughs> it's too easy. It's too easy. We just me. spent an hour and a half talking about how bad Tenet is. I will not rest until Christopher I met Nolan. you halfway on that. <laughs> I didn't like Tenet. Okay. I'm not your enemy here. I will not rest until Christopher Nolan has been thrown in jail for the rest of his life. Okay, let's talk Wes for a second, shall we? Yes. Let's talk Wes. Here's what I'm realizing about Wes Anderson. I don't hate Wes Anderson. I just hate what Wes Anderson has become. Okay. I think that's what it is. I like his first three movies. I really like them. I really enjoyed this movie. Good. I liked it a lot. Mm -hmm. And I love Rushmore. And I really like Royal Tenenbaums, even though you don't. Nope. It's what came after that I just can't stand. And it's just that he has just devolved to, into self-parody, like perhaps <laughs> no other filmmaker currently alive. It's really crazy how he's living in his own world, that, a world that he has constructed for himself. And it really just, it, it grosses me out. It I just, grosses you I out. Hate, I just hate what this man has become <laughs> because the dude once had a real eye for this. And he once had like a real, just like, like youthful, blissful love of cinema. And I just love his energy. He I, still has that. I love how he once used to direct, but now he has just set these boundaries for himself. He's built a dollhouse with all of these puppets, and these puppets go by the name of Bill Murray and Tilda Swinton. <laughs> and, and, you know. That's what every filmmaker does, though. And fucking Adrian Brody. And they're all there in his little dollhouse, and he's just putting them in funny little outfits. Ray Fiennes is another one. And he's, and he's like controlling them with his fingers. And he's making them say words that only he is capable of saying in <laughs> monotone uh, styles. And I hate it. I just hate how rigid he's become. I hate how rigid a filmmaker he is. And there's just something so just joyless about the way he now directs. And I see something like Bottle Rocket, which was so collaborative. And I see a performance like Owen Wilson here, mm. which was so alive in, and and uh, and lived in and and energetic and I just think to myself, where has that gone? Where has that gone? Okay, it's like not even in my top, I don't know, seven Chris, uh, uh, Wes Anderson films. What? Nowhere near as joyful as Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, please! I'm sorry, dude. Please. Like, it's not even remotely close. Are you honestly going to try to make the argument that this is better than the Grand Budapest oh, Hotel? Oh, absolutely. You're an idiot. Leaps and bounds. When it comes to Wes Anderson, I you have no no valid takes as far as I'm concerned. They're ridiculous. 
everything you just said was ridiculous. If anything, he's gotten better. Uh, because this movie does not... I, I like this movie, don't get me wrong, but part of my issue with it is that it doesn't have much of an identity. It doesn't have much of a distinct style. It's kind of milk toast in that way and it's a perfectly like enjoyable really really sweet caper and i it's loose yeah i i enjoy owen wilson and luke wilson playing off of each other in this way like it's it is the nicest caper i've ever seen but like it's not there's nothing about it that's like remotely impressive to me at the same like i don't i'm not like overjoyed by the script i'm not overjoyed by the characters or his direction or where the story ultimately ends up it's all like good like plainly good but it never goes below that or rises above it i feel like we are speaking different languages like, because you does just fucking describe grand budapest hotel to me oh see that's completely opposite you know what grand- i mean like i don't know the looseness but, of this movie is what i found to be so refreshing really i just love how he didn't insert himself into the story here he's a director he has every right to do that of course he has the right but i also have the right not to enjoy it <laughs> yeah sure you know what i mean and i just i find him to be incredibly indulgent and I every movie he seems to get more and more indulgent and guys like you continue to like it more and more and more we all and I don't our, understand it we all have our filmmakers that we know are indulgent but we enjoy them being indulgent you you prefer it when Tarantino's indulgent and he's indulgent but sometimes that works for me sometimes it doesn't Christopher Nolan <sighs> I don't know I don't know if that's true I I, I, I think once upon a time in Hollywood is the loosest. Of the Tarantino movies. I also movies. think it's his most indulgent movie. <laughs> In some ways. Yes. But it, not as a, not directorially, though. Sure. Like, he's not doing a ton behind the camera there. The, the script To insert well. himself into I, the story. It could be direction or script. I don't care. But that movie is super indulgent with everything it's doing. I mean, that movie is packed to the brim. Uh... And I, 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 I had to be honest, man. Like, like it, if we're getting back to Nolan... Mm-hmm. The, every every movie, as far as I'm concerned, plays exactly the same way and has less than anything interesting to say or do and is nothing but an, uh, an indulgent your, Nolan. Your thoughts on Christopher Nolan are, are well on the record. I know. Okay. Um, <laughs> but like there's no there's no joy to behold in those movies, at yeah. least he, like here, at least at Grand Budapest Hotel. I just feel warm inside watching mm-hmm. them. I, and I adore those characters. I, I, I love everything about the production. Yeah, the production design's great. No, it looks awesome, and it's shot in four by three, and there's lots of cool shapes. Yeah, it's beautiful. Man. No, I get it. Like, there's, there's, it's really cool how squares <laughs> and triangles look yeah. different when they're put next to one another. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Just give me a road trip movie. Just give me a fun road trip movie. I love actors. I love script. I love then, jokes. Then go watch Paper Moon. You have your road trip. Movies. I do, and I love Paper Moon. <laughs> yes, I love, and that's great. what I love about this movie. I, I find Owen Wilson to be fucking hilarious yes he's very hilarious like i laughed out loud several times watching this movie like it's really good stuff like at the beginning where he's where they they do that heist at the the bookstore and they put tape on their noses and they're like why do you have tape on your noses exactly (laughs) just great stuff when he's arguing with his friend bob and he's like and bob's like oh yeah i i paid for the gun and owen wilson gets up and he storms off and he goes you're off the team yep you're off the team (laughs) Oh, seriously, he takes himself. He tries hot wiring the car at one point, breaking into the car with a coat hanger. But rather than bending the coat hanger to actually put it through the crack of the door, he just keeps the coat hanger there unbent and immediately gives up. They're idiots. Yes, it's so good. It's, it's so fun. But, that's- but why can't the humor just be that? Why does it always have to be 
It's just always been Wes that. Anderson's I, I whimsy. I don't understand what you're talking about. They've always been that. He's kind of kept that up even through to an extent to Isle of Dogs, which ironically is his most mature movie. Yeah. Uh, very good movie. Um, but yeah, dude, like I, I'm just I just don't understand what you're saying i want the quirk to come from the characters they and, do come from the characters and they don't they just don't sure man. they do they just don't in the in 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 they're just moonrise man. kingdom in life aquatic in I, they're in, not especially just... in grand budapest hotel oh come on and to a certain extent in fantastic mr fox yeah. like all of those movies the quirk is derived from the style and not from the characters it feels very inorganic in that way i just don't know what you're talking and about I, I just don't i completely disagree with that I mean, they're all distinct. I can all I can always describe those characters to to you. They all feel different from every movie. I don't know. Yeah, dude, I, I just did. Uh, this is what no, Roger I'm, Ebert said about the movie in his review back oh, in 1996. Okay. Quote, I cannot recommend the film. It's too unwound and indulgent, but I have a certain affection for it, and I'm looking forward to whatever Anderson and the Wilsons do next. Yeah. I'm just like, can you imagine, Roger? He liked, you, had, you had no idea what was coming. He, he gave loved, this a two-star review. Didn't he like pretty much all of uh, Wes Anderson's later films? Never gave out a four-star review to That's a good. Wes Anderson movie. That's it true. was all like two, two and a half, stuff right. like that. <laughs> was not crazy about it. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Um, Maybe I'm looking at this movie and I appreciate it more because it's not what the later Wes Anderson movies. Because yeah, I just think it, the later Wes Anderson is so much better and interesting. I don't know what he's doing behind the camera is much more impressive, and what he's doing with his writing and his characters is much smarter. Just get out of the way. Just I, give me James Con doing karate. Okay, you know what I mean. Just give me that. That's enough. I was dying laughing at that. I guess, shit. and yeah, that's the, like that's not enough for me. That's, okay, I suppose that's it. It's 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 not enough. And a lot of a, part of the part of the reason why I guess his other movies work so well for me is because they're all their realized world. They all come from his mind. I mean, every filmmaker is doing that. It doesn't matter like who it is. If you're a writer director, I mean, all your voice is in every single one of your characters. So there is a DNA there, no matter what you choose to do. Mm. And I don't know. I I I. I, I kind of love what uh, uh, Wes Anderson chooses to come up with with those with those later films. Yeah, I just feel like I'm watching a dollhouse, and I feel like I'm watching little paper dolls do their little paper doll things. Yeah, because for me, Grand Budapest Hotel is his best movie. A lot of people feel that way. It's not my favorite. But the Academy feels that way. Yeah. yeah, you and the Academy are on the same page there. I.L. Dog is pretty great, though. So. I, I I don't know, man. I don't know. The ending of this movie, that heist. Mm that just goes incredibly awry is one of the funnier things I'd seen in the last year of okay. watching movies. Like it, it destroyed me when the, there's like this Pakistani guy that helps them out with the heist. Yes. <laughs> and he ends up finding himself in the freezer and he's just standing in the freezer by himself shivering. Mm-hmm. And Owen Wilson comes up to him and goes, what were you doing in the freezer? And he says, I lost touch. And Owen Wilson screams, is there a fire alarm going on in the background? And, there, and a guy got hit by a gunshot wound. He just screams, did you ever have a touch to lose? <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It's so funny. Man, it's, usually it's, this guy just gets on my fucking nerves, but here he was really amusing me. Yeah, it's super charming. Yeah. It's super charming. Like I said, I, I, I like this movie a lot. It's, like I said, from the individual elements, it's not, like I said, it's, it's not the most impressive thing I've ever seen, but for a debut, it's quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a perfectly enjoyable movie across the board. Like I said, it is a solid, good movie. Not neither greater or less than that. It is good. Just loosen up. Yeah. Just loosen up. That's all I ask. Yeah. That's all I ask, Wes. <laughs> He's a director. <laughs> no, I, hey. Are you I asking know. a director to loosen up? No, I, I've, I've, I've spent enough time around aspiring directors to know that's oh. not the case. Oh. It's not going to happen. Oh. That was a dig. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Sling blade. Get some of those fried taters. Mm, French fried potatoes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Written and directed by Billy Bob Thornton. Starring Billy Bob Thornton, Dwight Yoakam, John Ritter, and Robert Duvall. Winner of Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars. Also nominated for Best Lead Actor. Carl Childers, a simple man hospitalized since his childhood murder of his mother and her lover, is released to start a new life in a small town. You read that premise and you're like, damn, this movie must be dark. And in many ways, this movie is pretty dark, but it is also like the most charming thing ever made. A lot of that is because of Carl and Billy Bob Thornton and the relationship to the kid, of course. Of course. But Billy Bob Thornton, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> fucking great in this movie. Unbelievable yeah. in this movie. You had to carry this a little bit. I haven't seen this movie since high school. Okay. Yeah, and I should have rewatched it. But I just remember watching it and being kind of surprised by how, I don't know, uh, lighter. Exp- I expected it to be much darker, yes, but it is significantly lighter than I than than I would have originally thought. Yeah. And uh, like I said, a lot of that is just because like like Carl is just the most heartwarming character ever, even though he's killed multiple people. Yes. He is a serial murderer, I think you would say about him. <laughs> he's killed three people by the end of this film. Uh, but yeah, you just love him. Is this a better performance than Hanks and Forrest Gump? Mm. Is it a better movie than Forrest Gump? No. Um, Probably not. I I don't know. I mean, I, I've, I've always felt like Tom Hanks had a lot more to do. Yes. Emotionally, he had to go through a lot more. This is something that's a little transformative, sure, but and it's a great performance, but I mean, the, the only reason you would ever say that this is uh, a better performance is that just something about it is just speaks to you more or it's more charming. Yeah. I think that's about it. I think technically Tom Hanks is a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe you're right. I mean, the thing about this, this performance is that the actor is so inextricable from the character. Mm. It is so clearly the brainchild, the Billy Bob Thornton, the muse of Billy Bob Thornton at work. Um, and yeah, I, I I've never seen a Billy Bob Thornton performance that even comes close to this one. And I think that's by design. It's just one of those movies, one of those performances, one of those characters that you're always going to be associated with as much as you go on to do bad Santa and, you know, other cinematic favorites. Like this is Billy Bob Thornton's career right here. I think he's a little bit better in the astronaut farmer. Fair enough. Best movie ever. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, he's unbelievable in this. The story here is that uh, Billy Bob Thornton was working as a waiter at a house party. Of course. They're and always he, waiters. They always begin as waiters. Or a caterer or something. And he, he brought a drink to Billy Wilder. Uh-huh. Billy Wilder was at the party. He goes up to him and he talks about his aspirations as an actor. And Billy Wilder goes, you're too ugly to be an actor. Whoa. So instead, you should write a screenplay for yourself and exploit that, quote, less than perfect quality that you have. He took the advice. Okay. He wrote this screenplay, originally wrote it as a stage play, performed it as a one-man show. It got rave reviews there. They turned it into a short film. George Hickenlooper actually directed the short film. Mm-hmm. Billy Bob starred, and then they turned it into a feature with Billy Bob now directing the movie and writing the screenplay. And years later, he went to thank Billy Wilder for that conversation. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, the guy, you, you look at him now, And if you think of him as the movie star and you think of him as the husband of Angelina Jolie, you're like this fucking guy, you know, like really, how is this guy a movie star? But he really did sort of make lemons out of lemonade here or lemonade out of lemons. 
He's I, a, I, hard to make lemons out of lemonade. He's very easier to make lemonade out of lemons. He's a lot more <laughs> dynamic than some people might give him credit for too. Yeah. Like when you really like, like track his career, it's funny that this is kind of where he began. Mm. And then like, like he, he can also do, uh, uh, Malvo and Fargo. Yeah. And just how fucking awesome he is. And so good in the first season of Fargo. Oh my God. I just, it's just it, Fargo cinematic universe right th- here. That show almost isn't even half as good without him. And it. it's fantastic. Yes. Um, well that character, not to get too much into Fargo season one, but that's the one character that was lacking from the movies. Mm. You know, they sort of remade the movie in the, the first season of Fargo. The Martin Freeman character is basically the William H. Macy character. Uh, the other woman is basically playing Frances McDormand. Yeah. Um, but then they insert like this sort of Anton Shakur like figure mm-hmm. into Fargo season one. And it gives it this whole new energy. Yeah. I think like without Billy Bob Thornton, you're right. I think it's a pretty good remake yeah. of the movie Fargo with Billy Bob Thornton. It's be- it becomes its own iconic TV show. I've always felt that too. Yeah. Yeah. But that just speaks to how good he is. Even in like a simple plan. He's awesome in that. Great movie. in that movie. He's so good. And he's totally different. Each one of these characters are completely distinct from the from from the from the rest but not in a traditional movie star way no no he's not really a traditional movie star like i mean not to besmirch the name of billy bob thornton but i mean billy wilder's right yeah 100 percent. he's right he just is it's look like, he yeah. married angelina jolie he got the last laugh yeah he's a he's a strange kind of funny looking guy you know belongs in coen brothers projects essentially yeah. or something of that spirit how does angelina jolie go from billy bob thornton to brad pitt what kind of upgrade was that? How good must you feel as Billy Bob Thornton, though? Talk about going to the AT&T store and trading in your Nokia from 1997, and now you're getting an iPhone Max. No, no, no. This is What why, an upgrade. This is why women are funny. Yeah. Because, okay? <laughs> like, when, whenever, some, whenever a guy says, I can't compete with that, don't ever say that. Don't ever don't say ever that. Say that. No, nope. <laughs> don't ever sell yourself short. You have no idea. Billy Bob Thornton yeah. married Angelina Jolie. Yes. Fucking Sling Blade <laughs> married Angelina Jolie. It's fucking crazy i always compare um christina Hendricks' ex-husband oh yeah oh yeah 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 yeah. i know exactly you're talking about it's just like you're with what (laughs) sure does not compute no (laughs) jay-z and beyonce (sighs) come on yeah yeah jay-z that man's ugly as fuck dude true one of our great rappers of all time but god damn he looks like a you know fucking I don't even know. Looks like he got hit by a bus. You think I could get with Beyonce? No. Why not? You selling me short, Nico? You think I can't get with Beyonce? I mean, you make an album as good as the Blueprint. <laughs> Give it a shot. <laughs> oh, just you wait. <laughs> just you wait. <laughs> oh, Sling Blade. Yeah, I don't think like it's a great work of direction. That would be my one nitpick with the movie. But again, it's just sort of a right place, right time. Harvey Weinstein cashed the check mm-hmm. and... Billy Bob got to do whatever he wants. It feels very stagey. There's not a lot of cuts. It's all lit like you would light a theatrical production. Um, And so, like, I I don't think this is a tour de force from Billy Bob Thornton behind the camera. In front of the camera, though, I mean, he is this movie. He Mm -hmm. is the entire movie. This is just a self-made movie star movie. And you got to appreciate movies like that. And you can really feel it, too. Mm. Whenever you watch movies like this, it's the same thing with Rocky. You can just feel the passion behind Sylvester Stallone when making it. It's not just passion, though. It's authenticity. Yeah. Like, the performance, it's not just, like, an excited performance. There are plenty of passionate performances that are not good. Nicolas Cage makes a passionate performance every single time he makes a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, 
Stallone is believable as a boxer. Yeah. And Billy Bob Thornton is believable as a mentally challenged man. Yeah. There's just something embedded in him that he understands. Yes. And that's, I guess, where the authenticity comes from. And also with just telling the story. Because even if, like, it is very stagey at the same time, it still works. Yeah. It's not like this is a broken film. It's not like it's a debut where it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just putting together a movie. Yes. It's like, whoa, you actually know how to make a movie. Right. And I always kind of admire that where it's like right out of the gate, they just kind of have it in them, too. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, 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 it's wonderful to behold. Right. So. And he had clearly been around for a long time, too. Just, like, waiting tables and. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, doing what you have to do to make it in in Los Angeles. But yeah, it it is just an incredibly inspirational story for like actors that are struggling or screenwriters that are struggling. Like just make the right thing and the audience will find you. Was Dwight Yoakam a country star before this? Yes. Well, actually, Billy Bob Thornton was, too. He was. Yeah. He was a country musician before he was an actor. Interesting. Yeah. Um, And yeah. So. You're right. Dwight Yoakam is another guy that mm-hmm. this was sort of a, a star making performance for him. He's really good in the movie, too. Is he better in this or Panic Room? <sighs> I really like him in Panic Room. Oh, he's also in Logan Lucky. He's pretty good in that, too. <laughs> That's tough, actually. I think Panic Room. Yeah. I think I, think so. I go Panic Room by a hair. Yeah, me too. There's just something about the, the mysteriousness of that, that figure. Oh, yeah. And that character sticks with you. For me, at least he sticks with me in a much more profound way. Yeah, it's like, holy shit. Who is this guy? Exactly. 100%. That's more of Fincher, though, utilizing him right. Sure, but he needs to do a good job. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Awesome movie. Any other quotes you want from Sling Blade you want to throw in there? Like I said, I'm I'm not as... (laughs) This movie's not as embedded in me as the next movie, so... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some people call it a kettle blade. I call it a Sling Blade. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. (laughs) So good! Uh, just a delightful movie. Yes. And then we have Fargo. Oh yeah. Fargo, which was directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen based on the television series on FX. Yes. <laughs> Starring Francis McDormand, William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi and Peter Stormare. AFI says it's the 93rd best comedy of all time. The number 84 best movie of all time. And Marge Gunderson, they have at number 33 on their all time hero list. Film <laughs> heroes list. Okay. Winner of best lead actress. At the Academy Awards, also nominated for Best Original Screenplay. or Sorry, also won Best Original one, Screenplay. Yeah. Nominated for Picture, Actor, Supporting Actor, Director, Cinematography, and Editing. Jerry Lundegaard's inept crime falls apart due to his and his henchmen's bungling and the persistent police work of the quite pregnant Marge Gunderson. Uh... Based on real events, according to the opening credits of the movie. That is not true. Not indeed based on any real events whatsoever. Completely fake. There's the, the wood chipper scene is slightly inspired by something that happened here in Connecticut. That's right. Yeah, I so, read that in my research. That's about it. That's it. Other than that, not much. Joel Cohen once said about that stylistic choice that we were really interested in that kind of fidelity. The basic events are the same as in a real case, according to Cohen. However, they never state what that case is. But the characterizations are fully imagined. If an audience believes that something's based on a real event, it gives you permission to do things they might not otherwise expect or accept. So you can sort of, uh, you know, get away with more when you put that disclaimer at the front. And I think they take advantage of that. I don't know. Well, I don't know. This is my question is, did they need to do that? I I think I would have loved the movie even if they hadn't done that. I have heard the criticism that they got a little too cheeky 
with that opening credit. Like there's just something a little too self-referential and too sure. winky face mm-hmm. about that whole thing. It's never bothered me one bit though at all. Uh, what is there to say about Fargo that hasn't been said already? It's one of the great American movies of all time. That's certainly true. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the Coen brothers best movie. I think it has one of the great lead performances ever from Francis McDormand. I think it's one of the great characters ever. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. I think it's incredibly dark. I think it is a miracle of tone, as I once said about train spotting. And uh, it's just a perfect fucking movie. That's what we call it in the business. A perfect fucking movie. Yeah, it's pretty much a perfect movie. Yeah. I would say it's funny because Fargo's uh, a movie that's been in my life for a long time. It's always kind of been in the periphery. And it took a while for me to like finally sit down and see it. And even when I first saw it, I absolutely adored it. I, I, I think it's 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 incredible. It's again, one of my favorites. It's amongst my top two or three favorite Coen Brothers films. Not my favorite, though. What would your favorite be? Yeah, the, I I am in the No Country for Old Men camp. Okay. Yeah, like, and I might even be in the Inside Lou and Davis camp. I both of those movies changed my life, and this one did not. Oh, like both of those movies changed the way I watch movies. The first time you saw it, they changed your life. Yes, yes. Far, Fargo was just a movie that was kind of there, and when I finally sat down and committed to it, I, I I adored it. But those other two just like like opened my eyes. Okay. And I ne- didn't, never quite got that out of this one, despite the fact that it is a masterpiece. Yeah. I mean, I think the first time I saw it, it was that old Coen Brothers thing where you see it and you appreciate it, but you don't understand what everybody's going crazy about. Mm-hmm. And then you watch it for a second time and you're like, oh my God, I j- just want to watch this movie on a loop. Mm-hmm. It, because they all have the rewatchability, but they also just have that subtext that you missed the first time. Yeah. Big Lebowski is definitely an example of this. Miller's Crossing is an example of this. Um, even like, Something like Hudsucker Proxy, which people don't like, but it's okay. I watch it a bunch whenever it's on TV, and I and I dig it, man. Yeah, it's decent, you know, for I, kids. It's for kids. Yeah, I enjoy. Yeah. It. No, I enjoy it. But but similarly, I think yeah, all their movies have something else going on, and there's a total trust with these directors that you don't get out of others. Even if you might question certain things that they're doing, you still kind of go like, you know what? They there's there's always something here. There's mm. no way the Coen Brothers would 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 foul up or or or, or betray us, and they they I don't know if they ever really have. I mean. Intolerable cruelty they do what they were going for there i haven't seen it but i don't i mean what they were going for in the lady killers that i thought was fine i don't hate that movie i don't either i think it's fine i think intolerable cruelty is by far and away their worst okay like i would actually put that many steps below really lady killers even the lady killers would be second worst I, I I don't I need to see. I mean, the thing about Intolerable Cruelty too is that was a script that they did not initially write. Oh. That was something that had been bouncing around, like sort of like an old school school screwball comedy, and they did some rewrites on it. And you can kind of tell it's not really from their head. It feels like the Coen Brothers riffing on someone else's material. That makes sense, you know, because yeah, I've heard a lot of like all over the place things about that movie. Yeah, yeah, and the, again though, but the, I, I'm they're probably my favorite. Uh, some of my or two of my favorite like greatest directors if we had to like include the pantheon of great directors like Spielberg, Scorsese, Cohen's, you know, I guess Tarantino. Uh yeah, like they they're up there, man. Yeah, they're on my Mount Rushmore, I think. Yeah, I fucking love them. Yeah, the, here's the thing about Fargo too is it's a very bloody crime story and it literally involves a person being put into a wood chipper and there's lots of blood and there's lots of guts and there's lots of swearing and you know, a man hires a bunch of goons to kidnap his wife. Yes. But it's so goddamn personal. And there's so much heart in this movie. Mm -hmm. And that's what strikes me the most. I think it might be, aside from a serious man, their most personal film. 
because this is where they grew up. They understand this area well. Yes, they're doing the funny voice, but the funny voice never feels inauthentic. It feels like they grew up surrounded by this voice. It's the most personal to to their like real life. You mean that's what you're saying? Yes, because inside Lewin Davis, it gets even more like like I don't know. That gets more like like that's even deeper into the human soul. It's a simpler story. Yeah, Sh- sure. I think I think that what that that movie's covering on a human level is is maybe. I don't know. Make, they probably just relate to that story quite deeply. Yeah. Uh, but this one, in terms of like literally their life, and and same with a serious serious man, I think is their most autobiographical. But yeah, uh, yeah, I, I definitely see it here. Certainly, I just feel like they have a lot of affection towards these characters, and that's not always something you can say about Coen Brothers characters. A lot of time, they loathe their characters. Yeah, <laughs> and you can feel it. Well, they they they're very honest about that here. It's like they, they treat. They love these characters, but they're more than willing to make fun of them. Yeah. And that's kind of part of it. That's part of any like good relationship when you can kind of poke fun at one another. They're not willing to make fun of Marge, though. No. They're no. not. They take Marge incredibly seriously here. Is is she the most heroic figure in any of their movies? Of their movies? She must be. Maybe. Can you think of anyone else that's mm. like just heroic in every way? Just like the bastion of, of good behavior? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Probably not. I mean, the the dude. <laughs> no, definitely not. I, I mean, mean, I think about I a would, serious man, but even he's like, I don't know, kind of a shithead. He does I, some bad things. Sure. No, the dude is like for, 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 no, definitely not a serious man. Yeah. The dude is more just like, like philosophically that I would say. Yeah. Even though he, he, he fucks up all the time at the end of it, he still comes out. Okay. He is admirable. That's probably their most iconic character, but not their. I wouldn't say the most heroic, though. No, 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 no. The, I mean, I think Marge is, is. There are some silly elements to Marge. She's treated seriously to a degree, but like you can laugh with Marge, I suppose. Yeah, or even some of the stuff she, she does. Like even like it's funny because she's so charming. Yeah. So there's- I, I read somewhere. Um, and I'm stealing this thought. This is not original thought, but that Marge does not actually occupy the screen with any of the bad guys mm. in this movie. Like you get um, even that shot at the end where she's in the car with uh, with uh, Peter Stormare and they're talking talk about how I just don't get it for a little bit of money. You see her eyes through the mirror and you see uh, Peter Stormare's face through the mirror, but they are never shown in the frame together. Yeah. And there's just something so pure about that idea that this is, you know, Joel Cohen paying homage to his wife. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a love letter to his wife in that way. <laughs> Gives her this character that is so pure, so honest, so true, and so real. Mm-hmm. Um, there is not a single other Coen Brothers character like that. And as much as you laugh when fucking Steve Buscemi gets thrown into that chipper, or when you laugh at the hookers saying, oh, yeah, the little fella, you were banging the little fella. Mm-hmm. You were having sex with a little fella. Yeah. Then. <laughs> as funny as all that stuff is and as uh skeevy as some of these characters feel like you just feel like that affection for the minnesota of it all <laughs> it's a good time and place movie and a lot of that is uh um influenced by the coen brothers just brilliant writing here but also roger deakins's cinematography of course holy shit this movie looks amazing we can talk about him but I also want to mention Carter Burwell as well. Yeah. The okay. score here. I love this score. Might be his best work, and he has a lot of good ones. You Maybe I, I'm, I'm going to try pulling some up, just because that opening is... Haunting. Unbelievable. And, and atmospheric, and just like... It uh, doesn't betray what's going to come, too. That's the other thing. 
Because even when the movie chooses to be funny, that it's still oddly applicable. Like, I don't understand how this tone works, but my God does it. I'm not going to play too much of it, but when, when the fucking hook kicks in, mm. when the orchestra comes in. <laughs> Come on, man. Burwell. Very good. I got to send you that fucking theater of the new ear thing, by oh, the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. I think you'd like it. I probably would. I think you'd like it a lot. It's really good. It's, it's, uh, it's very Kaufman, but it's really good. Anyway. Fargo. Oh my god. I listen to this when I'm driving. Me too. <laughs> and it pumps me the fuck up. I listen to a lot of scores like this when I'm driving. I think it's a top five score for me. I really do. It's tough. That's saying a lot. I don't know I, if it's top five. It's up there, though. I, I just love that opening. It's so good. Yeah, it's great. With with the text on the screen, too. Like, everything is just so perfect. that You can always say that about a Coen Brothers movie, but... No, the, I've always felt that. There is just something about that imagery with the music and the text. And, and all of, of that snow. The bleakness with the car driving, everything. It's just like... Again, like I, you don't need to try and articulate why it's so perfect. There's just something about it that just feels right. Right. You know? Right. 100%. Uh, that's Fargo. Yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, it's definitely getting into the movie Hall of Fame, unless you want to make an argument for anything else here. I think we should put in Bottle Rocket. Okay. I'm down for that. <laughs> you know, if that, is, if that is the Wes Anderson entry that we recognize, I have no problem with it. I mean, we, di- we, need to, we still need to do a Wes Anderson pod. No, we don't. We've talked about all of his movies. We don't. We used to do Wes Anderson What pod. else do we need to talk about? Every fucking time a Wes Anderson movie comes out, you make me talk about we it. We need to do a Wes Anderson pod. We're good. No. We've done everything. We've yeah. debated Royal Tenenbaums. We've debated Bottle Rocket. We've debated Rushmore. We've debated Grand Budapest Hotel. What else do you, you want to talk about? Life Aquatic? Do you really want to do this? We even did Fantastic Mr. Fox. Well, we need to do Life Aquatic. Yes, we need to do the Darjeeling Limited, and it's over. And uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel, and uh, we also need to do Moonrise Kingdom and uh, Isle of Dogs, and also the fucking home movie he made when he was five years old. Yes, and shitting his pants. Yes. We need to talk about that there's nothing else we need to discuss we've done it <laughs> jesus christ congratulations to fargo and yes. the coen brothers for their spot in the movie. wrong sound effect here it is movie hall of fame congratulations good <laughs> there you go now what the hell do we do okay so next week um we are doing wes anderson let's, no, nom- I, let's nominate let's I, do it i uh i think we're okay you think we're okay yeah is um is anything coming out anytime soon i don't know probably not probably not right yeah nothing. when's Mank coming mank yeah i don't know uh we definitely need to talk about that yeah i'm, re- I'm really not sure yeah for sure well we'll keep an eye on that um, how about 1966? Okay. Any objections to 1966? Well, what is there? Well, let's see. 1966. Well, I feel like this is going to be a bad year. Why do you think that? I don't know. I just feel it. 
Well, if the Google results are any indication, you might be right. <laughs> oh, God. What a, <laughs> oh, there's the original Django. But, you know, whatever. Uh, oh, God. Man, look at this. Oh, yeah. This year's a tough one. It is. There's hardly anything on here that we would do. Well, let me let me pull up Letterboxd here and see if there are any suggestions. Um. Yeah, I see maybe three or four. Huh. Manos, the hands of fate. Wow, this is tough. Uh, yeah, dude, I don't know. This is really tough. I mean, there's... Well, there's the obvious one, right? Yeah. All right, well, let's do something else then. Yeah, it's a lot to cover. Huh? 64. 64? Yeah. Oh, boy, I gotta watch so many movies. This is better. Is it? I think so. Okay. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm sensing a lack of enthusiasm. Uh, there's a lot of movies I would have to rewatch. I mean, it's 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 not bad. Take three, 1963. 1963? <laughs> oh, that's going to be even worse. Let's see. <laughs> Ooh, eight and a half. Yes. Great Escape. Yes, The Birds. Yeah, okay. High and low, haven't seen. Are we getting there? There's a few here that I haven't seen that I would like to nominate. Um, No, this is good. Let's do it. This is good. 1963. Jeez. Let's do it. Okay. Let's okay. do it. I nominate It's a Mad 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 World. All right. Haven't seen it. Oh, boy. You're in for a treat. Eight and a half. Um, we'll go with the birds. Okay. Uh, the Great Escape. Sounds good. And, uh... Just one more? I, yeah, what, what did you want to watch? Did you want to watch High and Low? Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen it. It's, a, it's another Kurosawa film. What else was in the running for you? Uh, Charade. Sharad, I think it's Charade. I'm not sure how you say it. But then there what was it? what else was there? It's further down. I'm looking. Contempt came out that year. Godard. Oh, I've seen Contempt. You want to talk Contempt? Up to you. Uh, Do I, you like it? Are we going to have another Godard argument? Because I feel like it's the same one every time. Yeah, it is. It wouldn't be that interesting. I I don't mind. It's it it's, <sighs> eh. Yeah, I'm very eh on it. I suppose. It is what it is. Nutty Professor, the original, Tom Jones, I think won Best Picture that year. Hmm. Bye Bye Birdie came out that year. Oh God. The Man with X-Ray Eyes, The Pink Panther. Uh boy. The Incredible Journey. What's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this? Jesus. <laughs> Scorsese. That's a Scorsese film? Yeah, that's, I think, a short, one of his original shorts. Uh, All right, so uh, make up your mind. I don't care. High and low or contempt? Or charade, charade. Um, Whichever you want. High and low. I really should see it. Okay, cool. The birds, eight and a half. High and low. The great escape, and it's a mad, 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 mad world. Okay, cool. Nineteen sixty-three. I do have to watch some of these. That's five movies. That's five. Okay. So, what do I need to watch? Um. Okay, I got it. No, that's fine. That'll work. That'll cool. Work. That's coming next week. Until then, I love you so very, very much. Have you seen Eight and a Half? If not. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Eight and a Half, man.
uh, yeah, you'll love it. I will? I think so. Cool. It's one of those I need to see. It is like... It's shocking that I haven't seen it. It's like on literally every director's favorite, oh, yeah. favorite movie list. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Has and, to be done. And for good reason. <laughs> You'll see why. Okay. Cool. Uh, until then, I think that does it. Go to the website, toomanythoughtsmedia.com or tmt.media for short. Join the Discord. Get in on the action. Debate Rolling Stones top 500 albums oh, of all God. time with me. Yeah, how was that? I'm looking for all, all, uh, all of your thoughts. I, I went, many, I went think, deep. You think you're going to get a I lot did a of half people? hour on oh it, on Cultured. I did a half hour. I meant to do like 15, 20 minutes. You think it took gonna, up like all of the podcast. You're going to get a lot of people hitting you up about that? Uh, I've been talking with Jeff on, on the Discord <laughs> about it. We've been going back and forth. He thinks that the dead Kennedys are grossly underrepresented and that Beyonce is grossly overrepresented. And I agree with both of those things. That's probably true. And he also said that Taylor Swift's Red is not the best Taylor Swift album. He's probably right. And that I also agree with. Most Taylor Swift is not the best Taylor Swift album. That's my that's my take. Yeah, I love you. Mm-hmm. Until next time, <laughs> your excrement. You can change yourself into gold. <laughs>